Hey, welcome to Rewind, a place where old guys can talk. Hello, everybody. We're uh, interviewing my cousin, Doug, from Bismarck, North Dakota. And uh, just a little biograph on Doug. Uh, Doug is uh, just a couple years older than me, about five years older than me. And uh, he's a farm kid who grew up on the prairie, north of, uh, kind of northeast of Bismarck there, a few miles out where it's really, really, uh, how would you describe it out there, Doug? Well, just farm country. And uh, did you know everybody in your area, Doug? Did, did, you, did you know all the people? Oh, sure. And how close yeah. was, how close was the, the nearest farm to your farm? Oh, the nearest farm probably be um, Coleman's. They were just uh, probably half half mile south of our place. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, you attended school. Where did you intend, attend grade school at? Oh, that was at Jolin number four. There was a farm school, and uh, the school originally was three miles east of our, excuse me, west of our farm. And... Uh, during the summer between my fifth grade and sixth grade, they moved the school from, uh, no, excuse me, between the sixth grade and seventh grade, they moved the school just to south of our farm, right below a big hill. We were up on a hill, and uh, the school was located down below, and it, what it really did was it kind of more centrally located the school for the kids that were still, you know, going to farm school. And when you and say farm, uh, when you say farm school, how many kids are we talking about? There were seven kids, um, probably as the average, uh, that went to that school. And uh, I don't know if I was fortunate or unfortunate, but I never had a classmate. Um, I was in my own. I mean, the grade I was in was the only I was the only one let's put it that way so from first grade all the way to the eighth grade so I never had a classmate so there must have been one grade skipped or there had to have been uh, maybe a couple grades skipped and I'm assuming you only had one teacher is that correct well one teacher yeah but one teacher of course typical farm school one teacher taught all eighth grade so um, did you keep the same teacher all the years you were at the at the uh, farm school the one-room schoolhouse no, my first grade teacher was Ina Anderson. She was a single gal at the time. She was a girl that had grown up uh, a few miles from our place, and of course, had went to college to become a teacher. And uh, when you say she went uh, to college, did she go four years or just a summer? That I couldn't tell you. Um, I believe she probably went, you know, three four years of college. Okay. And then you got a new teacher? Oh, yeah. Then, yeah, that's the kind of the funny part of the whole thing. I've always told people there were two times that I got a licking in school. Uh, both were in the second grade, and it just happened that my mother was my second grade school teacher. So now put two and two together and <laughs> that one out real fast. <laughs> well, that's interesting. So... I bet you were happy when your mom got replaced. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> so what was a day like in that school? I mean, uh, 
did you guys eat a breakfast there? Did you have a, uh, did you, did they provide milk for you? Uh, what was lunchtime like? Did they have a school bell? How did it work? Yeah, every, uh, every morning at nine o'clock, teacher rang the bell and we'd come in from playing ball usually. And uh, at you, noon hour. When you say uh, she rang the bell, a, did she have a bell in her hand or did she bring yeah, a triangle or yeah. what'd she do? Yeah, she had a bell and I actually own that bell right now. I don't oh. know if I should say I own it or I stole it, but I have the bell. <laughs> <laughs> so is it like a bell with a wooden handle on it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. just a hand bell. She'd go outside on the step and ring that thing, huh? Yeah, that was. she did that at 9 o'clock and again at 1 o'clock. And, and uh, did uh, you guys, I was, did you pack a lunch? Did your mom make you a lunch every day? Well, uh, yes. I, that's uh, That's something we did. We had... Uh, sack lunch uh, every day and uh, of course we all everybody had a lunch pail and a thermos so generally you had a sandwich and um, hot soup something like that uh -huh. um, I remember that very well those school days because uh, something we used to do especially in the winter time when the furnace would be on in school is we would um, take a baked potato and uh, I ate a lot of baked potatoes back then, baked potatoes and sweet potatoes. And we'd put them on the stove probably about 9 o'clock in the morning, and at noon they were hot and ready and slather them up with butter and that was uh, your, there you go. That, you yeah. have a baked potato lunch, huh? Yeah. So, but so, so was, it a coal, was it a coal stove in the middle, or was it a fuel oil? What kind of furnace was no, it? No. Yeah, it was a fuel oil furnace. Okay. But now in my, my eighth grade, 7th and 8th grade, um, I was lucky enough I had a go-kart and most people probably would can't imagine doing this but um, in the days when it was fairly nice in the fall and in the spring I rode my go-kart to school and the uh, school board allowed it as long as I parked it and didn't goof around with it. So, so at noon hour I would go home and I'd had lunch at home and um, by the time I was done with lunch at home and back down to the school. Of course, the other kids were done eating their lunch and then I was back out playing ball. So I um, see. So did you... luckier did, than some. How did you get a go-kart? Did your dad buy it for you? Did you build it? What'd you do? It was our neighbor. Uh, neighbors built it. And uh, so uh, then at some point we traded a car for the go-kart. I see. And, uh, and so I think I got the go-kart when I was around eight years old, nine years uh -huh. old, something like that. So then you must have gone to a high school. Where did you go to high school at? Went to Wilton High School. How far was that from your farm? Uh, that was 17 miles. And since we went, we were supposed to go to Regan to school, but we went out of our school district. So therefore, um, I had to drive to school. We didn't, uh, we couldn't get bus service because we were going to school out of our school district. So uh, so I, you know, luckily for me, I had a car, so uh, I got to drive to high school all four years. Oh, did you pick up any kids on the way? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, Bev Backman was a neighbor girl, and so I would pick her up, and uh, she was in the same grade as I was, mm -hmm. and uh, she had went to Jalin number one. I went to Jalin number four. And, so uh, I'm, I'm assuming these are country school. schools that were located near yeah. uh, a group of farms, is that right? Right, yes. Mm -hmm. 
So um, <clears throat> tell me about the, the church that you went to, because I know your mom and my mom are sisters, and they had to have gone to the same church when they were kids. But then she married your dad, of course. So tell me about your church. Oh, well, we went to Sunny Lutheran, and that was a rural church as well. It was probably pretty much halfway between Regan and Wilton. And that'd be how far would that that uh, distance between Regan and Wilton be? About thirty miles? Oh no, um, Regan between Regan and Wilton was twelve miles. And okay. The church was pretty much located, I would say, pretty much dead centered on Highway Thirty Six. Okay. Between those two towns, uh, Highway Thirty Six was a mile south of Wilton and a mile south of Regan, and so that twelve mile stretch, uh, the church was pretty much right centrally located so what was church like there as a kid well depended upon if you behaved or not okay <laughs> so i assume you went to a sunday school at some point yes yep we went to sunday school and uh, my ma was pretty involved usually with um doing uh well we had sunday school as a group upstairs in the church and then uh, then after, I don't know, 15 minutes, whatever it was, then everybody split up and they went to their class, whatever class, whatever age group you were in, then you went to that particular Sunday school class. And uh, So when your mom you know, got you... always in the church basement. Now you had a brother and a sister, or you still do. Um, when your mom yep. got your kids ready for church, what did she make you do? Oh, it was always... Uh, shirt and tie. Um, seemed like no matter how small I was, I still always remember, you know, being dressed up. You were, you never uh, can't ever imagine ever going to church in blue jeans or anything like that. There was always a sport coat, you know, nice pants shirt and a tie. Mm -hmm. Now your, your dad and his brother, they sort of farmed together or they... Uh, yep. Maybe they leveraged each other's labor or machinery. Um, tell me just a, a synopsis about your dad. Oh, my dad? Oh, great guy. He was, uh, uh, I've often said, uh, my dad never, ever gave me a licking. Um, my mother made up for it. <laughs> but, uh, my dad was a pretty easygoing guy and... Uh, not that he couldn't get upset about things, but uh, generally, you know, the worst case with my dad would probably be, you know, don't do that again or whatever. Whereas um, my ma would give you the old what for, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So um, now I recall your dad smoked a pipe. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was smoked a pipe. Did he smoke cigars. a pipe since he was a kid or was he? Oh, no. No, uh, he smoked cigarettes um, probably, well, I know when I was in high school, uh, you know, I was still stealing cigarettes from him, so I know at that time he was smoking cigarettes, but um, there, there was a time when he switched and started smoking cigars and, and eventually started smoking a pipe, and that's probably... He was still smoking a pipe the day he passed away. So he, he graduated to the hard stuff. I think every prairie yeah. kid every prairie kid was smoking cigarettes at one time or another. 
yeah. So mm -hmm. I know you've got a younger brother. He's what, uh, five years younger than you, six years younger? No, Terry is nine years younger than me. Nine years. Okay. So the question everybody's always had, your cousins, um, how did you, what, what nickname did you give them and why did you give them that nickname? You know, I really don't even know why I gave him that nickname of Toad. Um, so you nicknamed him I, Toad? Yeah. And how old um, was he when you started calling him Toad? You know, that I guess I don't remember. Uh, obviously, probably pretty young. Uh, when I say pretty young, I mean maybe when he was five, six, seven years old. I really, I really don't know. Um, because all, how or why all, I started calling him Toad. All, all the cousins started calling him Toad too. Did it ever? It didn't seem to bother him too much. No, he didn't seem to mind, and uh, you, the neighbors, uh, neighbors didn't make any difference who it was. Everybody, everybody called him Toad. So <laughs> I guess he apparently didn't mind it because he never got upset about it. He was always so easy going. Now, um, you were known to have kind of an engineering mind. Uh, you had to make your own fun on the prairie. And, uh, you know, there's a story that you were going to electrocute Toad. Can you tell us that story? <laughs> uh, well, I, I found an old generator. Well, actually, I better start from the fact I found an old telephone down at uh, my uncle Ivan's place. And it had a generator in it. That's that's how they made calls was they could uh, crank this generator and, and it would... Um, make a obviously some type of a chime or noise at the opposite end and you cranked it depending upon um you know the person's ring i guess well i took the generator and uh, it would generate it would light up a light bulb so as one particular evening uh terry of course being quite a bit younger than me i was going to see if i could wake him up by giving him a little charge with my generator <laughs> And uh, I lifted the covers. I went in his room, and I had enough light from the open door to see. And I lifted the covers off his feet, and I hooked one wire over top, one the big toe on one foot and the big toe on the other foot. And I started cranking this thing, and, of course, it would make this yee-yee-yee-yee kind of a sound. You know? And uh, nothing happened. Well, I decided that you didn't have enough juice to go up one leg and down the other. So I redid the wiring so that what the one wire was hooked on to his little toe and one to his big toe on the same leg. And as soon as I started cranking that generator, his leg started jumping and he started screaming and hollering. And, and my mother ran into the room to see what was going on and... I was kneeling down on the floor with my generator, and she grabbed me by as much hair as she could grab and started slapping me in the back of the head, and <laughs> I finally had to run out of the room, and I ran outside, and the generator went right past my head. Oh, and she threw it at you, huh? The generator would weigh about as much as a bowling ball. Oh, my goodness. And I, I know if she would have hit me with the generator, she'd also been taking me to the hospital. Yeah, you'd have been you'd have been injured. I'd, well, I'd have been I'd have been in bad shape. <laughs> well, you know the, the the rumors were that you and your mother had these. Uh, you you spent your life designing pranks on your mother. 
Um, yeah, I did. So, so uh, I heard a rumor that you, um, you know, convinced your mother that she ran over you with the tractor. Is that true? That what? No, no. She, no. We were cleaning trees, and she was trying to break a branch off a tree, and and the tractor was away from her a ways, and and so what I did was I. I knew that when she would turn around and look towards the tractor, she'd see the tractor, and she would see me, and it would appear as though the tractor was on top of me. And I, I reached up and grabbed the throttle on the tractor. This was a little Ford tractor. And I pulled the throttle wide open, and I just started screaming and yelling. And when she turned to see what was going on, she thought the tractor was on top of me. Oh, and she just started screaming and running towards the tractor. And before she got there, I jumped up and took off running. And that was the end of cle- tree cleaning that day because she was she grabbed a tree branch and she was she was out to get me. <laughs> she was going to give me a wailing of my life. And uh, I remember I think it was midnight before I dared come in the house that night because uh-huh. I, I knew she was. <laughs> I was. So you were almost going to run away from my, home, huh? I had my protection of my dog and, and my dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, us cousins were always curious about you, and uh, we heard that you were doing um, animal exper- experiments with our uncle, who was a quasi-veterinarian. Uh, I, I never did get that story straight. Did you borrow some veterinarian supplies from our uncle? Who only had one eye? One eye was shot out in World War Two. Well, what it was was he had these plastic syringes that you could you could uh, you gave a, a cow who had mastitis. You it had like a, a plastic needle, we'll say, uh-huh. and and you actually they, they use those to go the, into the tit of of the udder or the udder of cow's bag. Uh-huh. and inject some solution that was supposed to help for mastitis. But <laughs> we found that it was fun to fill them with soap. <laughs> and <laughs> you you filled the gophers, syringes with soap? Catch gophers and uh, kind of do the same with <laughs> gophers. So you, you, were, <laughs> you were curing <laughs> gophers with <laughs> your uncle's syringes and soap? Yeah, but... We we had to find a different place to inject the uh, soap in the gophers, of course. Uh huh. So um, I, yeah, I can imagine the, where you injected the gophers. Now gophers were a particular problem out on the prairie. They were just everywhere. I remember, you know, when all the cousins would get together, we would go to one person's farm or or home or village. And uh, uh, do you were you part of this when where they we all had. Uh, 22 rifles marching a field shooting gophers were you part of that well <clears throat> probably but i i don't recall that but you know i i did that so many times in my life that it kind of became kind of you know just uh something that you went and did but yeah. uh that probably was more maybe you and tim and I, Terry I, or somebody like that i don't i don't remember i don't remember who was all there i just remember walking up and down that field a line of us shooting gophers and then turn around 180 and walking the other way shooting the the cousins that had gophers that had survived the holocaust mm-hmm. um so so, <laughs> so anyway i remember that uh there was a radar 
a government radar installation yeah. across from your from your home on the prairie there, and yeah. uh, it was an early warning from uh, that they put out on the prairie to detect Russian missiles. And well, we... actually, it was low flying aircraft that the Minot Air Force Base couldn't pick up. Oh, I see. It was called a, a gap filler site. I see. And so they, they this way, there was an area there that uh, they might not, with their radar, could not pick up. So this gap filler site, and that's why they called it a gap filler, was because there was a quite an area through that. Uh, we weren't near the river, but uh, we were in a we were in a high spot, and yet the surrounding area was quite a bit lower. So the fear always was was that an aircraft could sneak up you know, towards Minot through that corridor, so to speak. And uh, well, I so think that, was, they, that was why the gap filter site was put there. So they decommissioned that thing, right? And I think your dad ended up owning that property. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They built, it was built in 1957, became operational in 58, and in 1968, I believe, is when they decommissioned it. And I want to say it was like 1973 or 4 when... Uh, Dad was given the opportunity to buy the building and, uh, you know, less less any of the radar equipment, of course. But we still, we got the tower and building and so forth. Yeah. Well, that building was, was unattended. And I remember going over that building as a kid during, uh, I don't know, did we have Easter or Thanksgiving at your farm or something? And, and yeah. kids would get in there and just go nuts. Yeah, yeah. We had a lot of fun up there. Uh-huh. And still do. <laughs> still do. Yeah. Well, I just want to uh, move a little bit forward now. I know that you, uh, uh, you know, survived the prairie life, etc. And, and uh, we probably could learn more pranks, but we'd run out of time here. Um, you eventually uh, went to work as as a what? What was your work? Well, how would you describe yourself in your work? Well. I, I went to, after high school graduation, I went to state school of science for uh, auto body. That was in Wapaton, uh, Wapaton, North Dakota? Correct. Okay. Yep. And uh, that was what I wanted to do in life was to, you know, my, my love, of course, was always cars. I was pretty crazy about cars. I had a 56 Chevy, I had a 57 Chevy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always in the cars. And, uh, but as a result of that, um, it trickled down to, at, uh, I think it was 1973, I uh, got an opportunity to teach auto body out at United Tribes Educational Technical Center, which was a school for, well, it wasn't just for Native Americans, but mainly Native American students from mm-hmm. all over the United States. I did that until 1978, and in 1978 I was hired by National Farmers Union Property and Casualty Company to work for them as a physical damage appraiser. And mm-hmm. I did, did that for 34 years, and that's I retired from that job. Um, it seemed like the, uh, the grain elevator out in the prairie was a center for the farmers. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember uh, shoveling wheat there or whatever else you took to, took to market? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that was one thing that probably went on then that does not happen now is the fact that, uh, you know, when I was 11, 12 years old, I was driving a grain truck to Regan to haul grain. And, um, you know, none of us 
farm kids had a driver's license at that time. Um, and uh, everybody knew we didn't have driver's license, but, uh, you know, it was just one of those things. It was kind of expected to of you to help out on the farm in whatever way, shape, or form. And, uh, you know, driving a grain truck to town, whether it was legal or not, is what we did. And, and uh, so your, your dad? dad, being the elevator, elevator manager, you mm. know, well, surely he wasn't going to blow the whistle on us either. No, no, no. Um, so your dad would be out working the combine, and uh, you'd drive the grain truck. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we stored a lot of our grain at home, but, you know, what we didn't store at home, we, we hauled to Little Town Regan, which had a, a big elevator. And they loaded it up on a railroad car to ship it to the Twin Cities or Duluth or wherever it went. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So uh, you have uh, uh, how many kids, Doug? Uh, two. Got a son and a daughter, mm-hmm. Jeremy and Heather. Uh, were they as mischievous as you were? Did that sort of genetically jump on them? I think they were, but I think they uh, probably were a little more cautious than I was. <laughs> they they so, probably uh, So they didn't give you any gray hair? Nervous about getting caught. Um, so... I know that you've got a couple of hobbies now. Uh, you were telling me that you, you are a uh, hobby pilot. Tell me about that. Well, I own a powered parachute. I've owned that for 12 and a half years now. And uh, it's, a, it's an ultralight. Uh, and so it, it's just a one-seater. And, uh, yes, I've been flying that for 12 and a half years. And uh, flew it yesterday, for that matter, and the day before, for that matter. What do you and do the, when it's so cold out? I mean, I'm just curious. Do you fly it when it's cold? Well, oh yeah, I have. I've I've flown it as cold as about 20 degrees, and uh, pack boots, and uh, snowmobile suit on, and heavy gloves, and and uh, yeah, I have flown it when it's that cold. But uh, it's not all that much fun doing it when it's that cold. But uh, well, I've noticed some video that you've taken from uh, from your from your aircraft, your your parachute. Some what? Some video. Some what? Oh yes, yeah, many yes. So my question is, uh, how high does this thing go? Well, I've taken it up a mile in the air, and uh, it's. I mean, it'll it'll go till you virtually run out of power, like any aircraft. It it's, it will only go as high as it has, you know power to get there uh-huh. and uh, so I couldn't tell you how high I could go but uh, you know the higher you go the slower you're going and uh, just because you know the air is not as dense and uh, so it's um, it's one of those things where the the most fun you can have really is anywhere is in that first 500 feet because you know you're so close enough to the ground you uh, yesterday when i was flying i flew over a number of farms and being it was a nice day people were out doing things in their yard and you know people are waving at me and i'm waving at them and and uh this kind of thing so uh so know, they, that's, they that's the real fun of it they know you're up there huh yeah, oh yeah, they know so, I'm there. So have you run into other aircraft or balloons or anything while you're up there? No, 
No, uh, you know, when I'm, if I'm flying around an airport, and I've flown around a lot of airports because I've, I've had mine in Minnesota, South Dakota, Montana, and of course North Dakota, uh, flying quite a bit, and a lot of times flying out of airports, and and uh, I have a radio so I can communicate, so um, you know I can, you know, announce what we call announce to let people know you're in the area, you're getting ready to land, mm-hmm. what runway you plan on landing, uh, if you're taking off you're announcing uh, to any pilot in the area what your plans are, which direction you're going, so they can watch for you, just mm-hmm. as we have to watch for them. So have can, can you take people up there with you, or is it just a, a one-person deal? Well, mine is a single seat, yes, so I can only go by myself, but you so, know, there are two-seat models. But So you don't have to take your wife with you? She wouldn't go if it was a 42-passenger school bus. So, uh, <laughs> she would not be one of the people on that on that flight. Let me tell you. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. They're they're a lot of fun. It's just it's pretty hard to even explain to anybody how much fun they are until you experience it. You know? So, um, if you were, I know we had a lot of cousins, and uh, there were our mothers. What were their four sisters, five sisters, and when they get together, it was just like, uh, uh, yeah, five, five sisters. There was all the kids; they all had kids, and it was just like crazy time. Uh, mm-hmm. What's what's the one memory that's in your head, or you can remember when all those cousins would get together, that you you think about or talk about? Oh golly, that that would be really difficult to. Uh, if I had thought about that question in advance, for huh? an hour, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, we we had so darn much fun at doing so many different things. I mean, um, well, let's let's narrow it down. Let's say we went to the uh, Grandpa Nelson's farm. Can you can you remember one episode where all the grandkids were together, your cousins, and uh, can you remember one episode? Um, you know, yes and no. One of the things I remember, though, was when Grandpa Nelson had got a goat, and you probably remember that goat. Uh, we called her Nanny, uh-huh. and uh, she was fun to play with, but she would get ornery, and she'd start knocking us down, ramming into us, and, uh, of course, we would tease the goat, and the goat, I don't know if she either liked it or didn't like it, uh, but I mean, you know, we, I guess I probably don't remember a lot of things. Um, I think more when I think of good times was just, uh, you know, when we were probably, you know, playing ball, uh, you know, doing something like that together, a bunch of us. Well, um, we used to congregate well, at one of the parks in Bismarck on the, uh, Southwest side. Do you remember? Do you remember that those days? Um, yeah, I think you're thinking uh, northeast side. Okay. Uh, well, unless you're thinking of Saratone Park, but Hillside Park, you know, every summer there was always a big family get together at Hillside Park. Uh, at least that's the one I remember the most. Uh huh. Um, now maybe in later years, maybe they went to Saratoma, but uh, my recollection was always 
at the Hillside Park. It was was always a place where there was a family gathering. I also time. I also remember a family reunions or get-togethers at the Steel Clubhouse between Wilton oh, yeah. and Regan. Yeah, Steel Clubhouse. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, everybody would bring. Uh, you know, it would be a potluck affair, and there were usually quite a yep. few people there. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, because we always invited kind of both sides, or how should I say it? I say both sides. Um, like in the case of my, my mom, my dad, well, my dad uh, and his brother married my ma and her sister. Yeah, <laughs> right. I didn't marry Mercedes, dad married uh, So. So consequently, you know, just from my side of the family, usually a lot of these picnics always involved not only my mother's side, but also my dad's side. And kind of the same thing with some of the others, you know. Um, you know so, so a family picnic usually ended up being a pretty big affair. Yeah, and uh, I remember some of the old timers, the the that were sure. near the original pioneers, were there. Oh sure, absolutely. Do, do you remember any? Did you ever meet any of the old pioneers, Doug? Oh sure, um, you know the old uh, Johnsons and Triggs, and um, you know like uh, um, you know I knew your grandpa and grandma Davis, uh-huh. and uh, I knew Mickelsons. I knew. Uh, Bill and Frida, or not Bill and Frida, Bill and, oh, not Frida. I'm trying to think. Anyway, but I, yes, I got to know a lot of the real old people, um, probably especially the uh, the old Nelson side, mm-hmm. you know, Viney and um, Bud Nelson. I never, I barely knew him. Uh-huh. Uh, and... Uh, Corliss Nelson, you know, I knew those. They've been long gone, but you know, yeah. I get to know them. Um, I wanted to talk to you about one of your neighbors uh, that uh, lived probably uh, the most unusual life. Uh, he was known mm-hmm. throughout the township as Skunk Magnuson. Yep. And you seem to have been the guy that he was closest to. So how did you meet? Yeah. How did you meet this guy? Do you remember what his original name was? Yeah, his name was Alfred Magnuson. And last night I was looking through an old scrapbook, and I see in that scrapbook is a uh, a note he had sent to me, and uh, you know he he would either sign his name A. L. Magnuson or Alfred Magnuson, but <clears throat> you know everyone called him Skunk Magnuson because. What I was told is years and years ago, he was quite a hunter and trapper, and that he actually would raise skunks because the pelts were worth, uh, apparently at that time, a, a pretty fair amount of money. And, you know, skunks were pretty prolific back then. Uh, everybody had troubles with them. And so he was hunting skunks and raising them so that, <laughs> you know, it would be kind of like the old days when people used to get uh, they got paid three cents for the tail of a of a gopher yeah well people would get to the point where they would just catch live gophers cut the tail off and let them go so that they 
so that the gopher could go now have babies and raise more gophers so there'd be more tails, you know. Well, Skunk Magnuson was kind of kind of the same way with skunks from what I understand. He, he was raising skunks so that he could sell their pelts. But he was kind of a recluse, wasn't he? Oh, yes. Nobody really ever got to know him. Uh, I probably got to know him better than anyone. And the reason of that was he, his well had caved in and he had livestock and he didn't have any water for his cattle. And there was a kind of a spell between, uh, I don't know how many days, but between the time when he could sell his cattle and so he needed water. So he had came up to my uncle Ivan's place or our uncle and uh, wanted to know if we could bring water down to water his cattle. Mm-hmm. And I started doing it along with my dad. And uh, from there, you know, we just kind of got to be friends. And um, so I would go to town and get him groceries and uh, take him water, even though he sold the cattle, he still needed water for him and his sister. So, who, um, who lived on that property with him? Uh, his sister Vita uh, was her name, Vita and Alfred. And uh, I, I always, you know, I never called him Skunk Magnuson to his face. <laughs> I, you know, I always Mr. Magnuson or or Alfred, you know, and. Uh-huh. Uh, but so he took he, quite a liking to me. I still got two silver dollars that he gave me. Really? Um, he gave me tools, and uh, um, he actually gave me a couple of guns that I was supposed to have that someone else got. Uh, it was when when we took him to the hospital, which once we took him to the hospital, he was never able to, him and his sister, they were never able to go back to the farm. And uh, he had told me there was... Uh, two guns and he told me where they were where they were at and he told me to go get them and someone else got in his house and got those rifles before before I got them oh they stole them huh but I did get a lot of other things from him that I still have still have uh, a number of things that he said take anything anything you think is of any value he said take it he said, and if we get back to the farm, you can bring it back. And, well, he never did get back to the farm. So. Um, well, every, you know, there was a lot of uh, village uh, township rumors about him. I mean, kids thought he was some kind of a shadowy murderer or something and that people <laughs> yeah. were buried on his farm. Um, and everybody was scared to go over there. Yeah, we were, you know, in my young days, I, I, you know, I was, I was afraid of him. Um, I, uh, I think everybody was, I, I think even, well, he, he, we had a crop sprayer, uh, we had our crop sprayed by airplane and, uh, this one particular time <clears throat> we had this crop sprayer, or as they call them, crop, crop duster, uh, spraying our crops and, uh, the plane, when he flew over Alfred's, uh, farm there, he saw him standing out there, uh, with a rifle. Uh, by a building and of course scared the pilot because he thought well is this guy going to shoot at me or what's he going to do so then he he said he said he wouldn't spray our crops in that area because he didn't want this guy shooting at him oh boy so you know there was different things about him that 
uh, you know, people thought he was a strange bird, and, and he kind of was, but uh, he actually turned out to be, you know, once I got to know him, um, they probably, I wish I would have got to know him much better than I did. Uh-huh. Because uh, he could have he told stories that would never end. <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, you know, well, what was strange about the place was there never was a coat of paint on his house, and there was no vehicle there, no. so it was... Very mysterious, no. kind of like a haunted house. No. Right. I got to tell you, this one, uh, Dwight, because it, uh, you know, obviously this guy, he had a 36 Ford pickup. Oh, he and, did? And and that pickup was sitting in a in a building, and I got two stories to tell you here. Okay. He was sitting in a building, and he, he, at some point, he decided to sell it, and he advertised it for sale. So... I quick called him when I saw his advertised in the Wilton News or paper, whatever, and I said I'd like to buy it. So he had and a telephone. He, no, he no phone, no huh. So when you said you and called him, you had to drive, ride your bike down there, or drive down there. Well, yeah, I, I went down there and and I said I wanted to buy it. Well, then he said he decided not to sell it. Mm -hmm. So okay, um, what am I going to do? Well, then two days later, in the mail, I got. I got a check for $10, and he said, I have decided to let the pickup go. You may come and get it any time that you desire. There will be no charge for it, and closed fine $10. Yours what? truly, A.L. Magnuson. And it's like, what the heck? What the so, heck? So I, before I could think twice, I and David Coleman went down there and pulled no. it out of pulled it out of his garage and pulled it home and so I ended up you know with that 36 Ford pickup and I fixed it up I, I've said many times I had a rat rod back then and didn't even know it you know I don't know if you know what a rat rod is now but where they take old old pickups and old cars and try to make them look as old as they can I see I had one. <laughs> but another time I have to tell you quick is uh, he was going to get his mail. He said he was going to walk over and get his mail. And I had brought him, I don't remember, I brought him his groceries or water. And I said, well, tell you what, get in my car. I had a 56 Chevy. Mm -hmm. Now, 56 Chevy was no Cadillac, but to him it probably was. And so he got in my car and I gave him a ride out his driveway and out to where his mailbox was mm -hmm. and back to his house. And I mean, that must have been just, unbelievable <laughs> to him to to sit in my car because really? he, you know you can just about imagine he'd, he'd probably never sat in anything newer than a than maybe that old 36 ford pickup you know that was just a wreck and uh so we, al was, we always wondered how you know he didn't have a vehicle we always never saw him drive anywhere wondered how he got food or all of that so i'm he, assuming he there was some a letter to oliver tossett at the grocery store and uh, he would, uh, he knew how much things were going to cost. Mm. And uh, through through the newspaper, uh, he got the Wilton News and, you know, Oliver Toss it might have in there, you know, a can of tomato soup was 10 cents. Well, he knew how to figure out about how much he owed and he'd send the money to Oliver and someone would deliver the groceries out to him. I and, see. Uh, Kind of like Walmart does today with the coronavirus going on. <laughs> That's right. He was ahead of his time. Well, yeah. 
Well, Doug, you know, the uh, kind of the last thing I wanted to uh, uh, chat with you about is, uh, you know, your your favorite, uh, your favorite uh, hobby. You told me you had some hobbies that you do, but you were talking about turning wood. Can you explain that? Well, I have a turning lathe, and uh, that was something that I always enjoyed in high school shop was using the turning lathe, the wood turning lathe. And uh, so I do a lot of turning, um, making various items out of wood and different types of wood. And uh, so it's just something that one of my, just one of my hobbies, I have a rock saw, so I, I saw agate. I go to Montana looking for agate. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am I'm a member of uh, North Dakota Gold prospectors and the national organization gold prospectors and uh, our club has a gold claim in the black hills oh so i've been down there and uh, i have have a lot of hobbies and uh, um, i i don't know if i could say any one of them other than flying is definitely my top hobby but other than that i i uh, enjoy many many hobbies so now um, the the last rumor i heard about you is that you have a secret recipe for deer jerky is that true oh i've got a i've got some for for deer jerky yeah mm-hmm. uh you want to share you want to share that recipe today well um i guess i'd have to get my book out to look and see what i've got written down but for the most part it's uh you know uh nothing nothing that secretive about it i mean um i guess i would say nothing secret about it it's um probably just uh, the, the usual items that people put in jerky salt and pepper and and uh i like teriyaki so i use teriyaki a lot of teriyaki and brown sugar uh-huh. and um, you know things of that sort so, but no nothing nothing secretive about it oh, <laughs> it's, okay it's uh just one of those things that I enjoy doing, and uh, uh, my brother and I we made potato sausage, Swedish potato sausage. Uh, oh my! We did that here a couple months ago, and uh, we both we both like allspice in our in our sausage, uh-huh. and uh, other people don't care to have it in there, and. Uh, well, we put it in whether people like it or not, because if you don't like it, that's fine. We'll eat it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how many grandkids you have now? Um, well, Jeremy and Jen have uh, two girls and two boys. Uh-huh. And Jen, Jen had two girls from previous marriage. And uh, so the, the, they have got four. And uh, Heather and Brett, they've got uh, three. They've got two girls and a boy. Uh-huh. And... Uh, uh, um, she's. I'm the, <laughs> trying to think of who's who's in line here. First, uh, uh, Claire is the youngest. She is ten. Mason is sixteen, and Briar is eighteen. Oh wow! And McKenna is eighteen or nineteen. Eighteen. Yeah, I think. Um, Kaylee has got a birthday coming up. She's fifteen. Uh-huh. Um. And uh, Ryder, he is nine, and Hudson is six. 
five or six. <laughs> okay. I got it. Yeah. You know, I know. I know their birthdays start coming, and then it's like, okay, did they have one yet or not? <laughs> and your your mom is still living. Yeah, she's ninety five, and she is in the Edgewood Village in, here in Bismarck. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. She was so, always she was always pretty sharp mentally. Is she hung on to that? Yeah, or? She still is. She does crossword puzzles uh, every day. In the newspaper crossword puzzles. She she's addicted to those. And, uh, you haven't played any tricks on her lately, have you? Uh, well, no, but I did kind of tick her off the other day because uh, I was telling her about the coronavirus, and and I we were talking about you know the toilet paper thing, uh-huh. and I told her how how to you take one little square of toilet paper and you fold that into a triangle, <laughs> and you fold that into a triangle, <laughs> like the American you, flag. What's that? Like the American flag. Well, you yeah, and then and then you tear off the the corner of it. That would be the deepest part of the triangle. And as I told her, now I said, did you save that? Well, when you open up that square of paper, now you got a roll hole or a hole in the, in the middle of it. I said, now you stick your finger through that hole, and that's how you wipe yourself. <laughs> and then the paper that's around there, you. You wipe your finger off with that, and then I said you use that little triangular-shaped piece of to get underneath your fingernail. And she said that's just terrible. That's just terrible. Well, you know, well, I, I got a friend who invented a. He called it the turkey baster bidet, and uh, he said he said he had a solution to the problem too, and I didn't want to hear about that. Well, Doug, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. I appreciate your time, and uh, sure. hopefully uh, we can organize some kind of a family get-together here in the near future. Sure, sounds good. And say hi to your wife, Carol, and, and God bless you, Doug. I'll do that, and you say hi to Judy, and uh, we'll keep in touch. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation? and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him to the end that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment to the end that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. You've been listening to Rewind. This is a podcast where old guys can pass on what they know. We're praying for the next generation. Mm-hmm.